small individual lessons, um, but I'm still going to be within the time period, so it's not, but I've kind of condensed it. So uh, there's three things we're going to learn about, and uh, we're going to learn about what happens after death, of course, but we're also going to learn about receiving guidance from a friend. Receiving guidance from a friend. Praise God. Second Corinthians 13 and 5 says, Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Knowing ye not, know ye not that your own selves, know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. And so I want to talk to you tonight about receiving guidance. Isn't it amazing how you always have somebody that's got some kind of advice for you? Praise God. And I, I want to talk about receiving guidance. Lord, we love you, God, and praise you for your, this day. We thank you, Lord, for your presence and your spirit. God, I'm asking you, Lord, to touch God and to move and to be with us. And God, I'm going to give you all the praise, glory, and honor in the precious name of Jesus, we pray in this lesson. Can everyone say amen? amen. You may be seated. There was a situation many years ago, praise God, where a saint in a church had a dream. And she had a dream about a particular family and about a particular thing that was coming up. She went to this family and she said to the family, I had a dream and your situation that's coming up, this is what God gave me the dream of. And it was not a good situation. And so they began to pray, and they began to talk to the Lord, and after a period of time, the situation came about, and everything was turned out okay, but it set these, this, this dreamer and this family in a mode to where from now on, the dreamer was hearing from God, and the pastor and some of the ministers of the church were not. And all of a sudden they got, a, you know, it, it didn't turn out to a good situation. Praise God. And so um, that is the basis of why I am talking uh, about this today. Receiving guidance from a friend. Everybody wants to uh, give you guidance. I mean, you get guidance everywhere. And I'll be honest with you. Uh, people around about me will tell you that I'll listen to anyone. I'll take any advice. Um, even if somebody's drunk and wants to give me some advice, I'll, I, I'll listen to it. Praise God. Now, I may not adhere to it, but I will listen to it. Praise God. And this, these, this situation, this person wasn't uh, mature in their walk with the Lord, and so it, it got them out of sync. And, uh, you know, people, uh, people, can, people can hit things on the head. Um, and there's times uh, when people will go around saying, the Lord told me, and really it was Mother Bell or the phone that told them. It bothers me when people do that. The Lord told me that you, uh, you're struggling with this. It wasn't a phone. It was some other means that they heard that. And I, I'm telling you, you know, when somebody has the character, they're dishonest, I basically unplug from listening to them. 
Because people who live in a world of dishonesty do not live in a world of reality. I can't believe I just said that. That's good. Praise God. I'm sorry. I even, I even, uh, I mean, thank you, Lord, that I even got something out of that myself. People that live in dishonesty do not live in reality. And so I kind of unplug from that. And so you will have people that will say to you, the Lord told me, and it might have been someone else that will tell them. And basically, we can almost look into the lives of people and pretty much tell. You can learn how to tell problems or situations or things they're going through or things they're struggling with. And God doesn't have to tell you. You just know it by the way they act, the way they respond. Um, I was talking to a gentleman one time in, in Steubenville, and uh, I, I just told him, I said, your father must have been an alcoholic. And he's like, did God tell you that? And I wanted to, you know, I could have said, well, yeah, the Lord, ta- the Lord didn't tell me. Just the way he talked about his father and the way he didn't like alcoholism, I knew. And so there's times when people can pick up on that thing, and they'll go as far as to say, the Lord told me. God told me. It just feels spiritual. I just, it just, I just have had people in my life that have been so spiritual. Everything's been so spiritual. And uh, I, I believe in spiritual things. But I also believe in being realistic about it too. And so you'll have people that says, the Lord told me. The Lord told me this and the Lord told me that. And if you're wondering, there's no particular reason going on right now for me to teach this lesson. I like teaching lessons so that we don't get into a situation, okay? And so, praise God. But people say, well, the Lord told me. And, and, and that's dishonest whenever the Lord didn't tell you, someone else tells you. You say, well, you know, they told me and so the Lord, no. You just, you know, found out. Kind of leave the Lord out of it. 2 Corinthians 13 and 5 says, amen, that the responsibility for every one of us is to examine ourselves. Praise God. I, the buck stops with myself. The buck stops with you. You are the one that needs to be examining yourselves. Praise God. There really needs to not be anybody else coming into your life, especially a, a, a saint, and, 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 and speaking into your life. Praise God. Now, I know that some people do that. I know that I do that. I know that that happens. But what I'm saying is, Hey man, to uh, to say, well, hey man, this certain person is the way I'm going to get to God, or you know, this certain person is the way that God is going to deal with me. No, God's going to deal with you through many ways. There's no one particular person that's going to fill the role of God except God. Everybody else is just human beings that God uses, and they're no more better than anyone else than that donkey was that talked with Balaam. When that donkey was done talking to Balaam, he went back to Hehal. And when God is done talking through the prophet of God or a man of God or a person of God, and I'll be honest with you, or I mean, I'll be straight with you, praise God, most of the time that God uses somebody they don't realize they're being used. Praise God. They don't realize they're being used. And you, you might have gotten to the point one day where somebody come back and said, you really spoke into my life. And I'm like, I did. And you probably said, I did. 
Amen. And, 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 and when a person really has the word of the Lord, they don't have to come off, I've got the word of God for you. Praise the Lord. If they really felt they had the word of God for you, they wouldn't try to prove to you they had the word of God. Praise God. So when somebody speaks into your life, Praise the Lord. And when somebody, when the preacher preaches or a minister speaks into your life or we speak into each other's life, I mean, God could even use one of my children or grandchildren. Well, my children are older. I'm sure he uses them now. But, I mean, God can even use my, one of my, Christy was riding along the road, was really, really, really down now. And one of our grandkids started to sing a song. Praise God. Something about God's got his hand on me or something. And it just spoke to Christy. So God can use anyone. But when you have somebody, amen, that, uh, you know, don't let anybody make you feel like they're above everybody else in life and praise God and that they're the only ones that can talk to you or isolate you. Praise the Lord. Galatians 6 and 4 says, but let every man prove his own work. You see, the responsibility is every one of us. People will come along and they'll give us advice. But it is our responsibility to prove our own work. Praise God. You don't need a prophet to run around and do that for you. Prove his own work. And then shall he rejoice in himself alone and not in another. Praise God. You see, it's our responsibility. It's between us and God. We can't get between people and their problems. Let me give you something to think about. It is our responsibility to give the word of God to the lost. And then we are done. We need to back out of it. We need to get away from it. And we need to let that word work in them. Let it work. Let God work from there on. Sometimes we give somebody the word of God or we witness to somebody and we feel we've got to work it. We've got to work it. We've got to work this person. We've got to work this person. And really, amen, that's something between them and God. God can't get in there and work because I'm messing it up. I'm to give, I'm to preach the word of God. I'm to give the word of God. And then I'm, I am to back off and let the Holy Ghost Bring conviction and work with the people. Praise God. It is our responsibility. Praise God. So you can have a friend, and you've got to be careful who your friend is. You can have a friend, or you can have somebody that might speak into your life or say something that will help you along. Praise God. But I'll be honest, I'm going to be straight with you. I've got to quit using that word honest because I'm always honest. I'll be straight with you, praise God. And that is, it, it, there is nobody in this life that links us to God personally. Praise God. And we need to understand that's my responsibility. Thank you for the information. I'll do my best with it and move on. 1 Corinthians 11 and 31 says, For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. If we take care of the things and the faults we have, then we don't have to worry about God someday judging us and saying, you was preached that, but you didn't take care of that. Praise God. Amen. Romans 14 and 12 says, 
So then, every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. It's our responsibility. Praise God. Someone might say, well, if, if you don't preach or I'm not going down to your church. And it's like, <laughs> you're not threatening me. Praise God. You're not threatening me. It's your soul's salvation. Praise the Lord. And so, amen, we've got to realize that we've all got to give an account. Now, God gives us the ministry. Hebrews 13 and 17 says, obey them that have the rule over you. Now, that is as long as what they're telling you is right. They have no right to go outside the word of the Lord. And submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls. You know, the Bible tells us to submit ourselves one to another. I'm a pastor of a church, but I, have, I submit myself to Brother Bowley. I'll submit, submit myself to Brother Bowley, and I'll let him talk to me. And if he says, Brother White, something bothers me, praise God, I will submit myself to him and do what's right. I'll submit myself. I'll submit myself to anyone. Praise God. Submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. You know, the pastor preaches and he prays and he sees things in a saint's life and he he realizes they're getting farther and farther away from the Lord. And so he's reaching out to them. He's trying to help them, praise God, because he's watching out for their souls. Because, you know, he is the overseer of God's church. The ministry is the overseer of God's church. That he gives an account. I have to answer to God. I say, God, you know, I, I mean, I did today. I came early to church. Amen. Earlier, I stopped by before I went home. And I prayed and I said, Lord, what do you want? Give me wisdom. Give me understanding. What do you want? I want to, I want to minister. I want to minister in the right spirit. I want to feed your church. And so a pastor does that. Praise God. Because he gives an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for it is what? For it is unprofitable to you. Yes. Not to me, but to you. It's unprofitable to you. And so, praise God, you can take advice. You, someone can come along and say, hey, I've got some advice for you, or I've got this, or I've got that. You can, you can take that advice, praise the Lord. And, um, and, 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 you know, if, if, if it's good advice, go on. If you question it, you know, call, brother, call me and just say, Brother White, this is the advice someone gave me. What do you think? Or whatever. And there's good, just, the thing of it is, it's like I told my children when they were growing up, my boys especially. I said to my boys, Christy Kay was just, she, she was just, I mean, she was a wonderful girl growing up. But my boys, I mean, my, I'm, I'm, they were, my, they were my situation as men and boys. And we locked horns at times. And I would say to them, I would say, look, boy, I said, you may not agree with what I'm going to say or what I'm saying, but I will tell you this. I said, you go find somebody and get some advice. I said, but you do yourself a favor. Don't find somebody that's all messed up. You find somebody that's got it together and doing it right. And then you go to them and you get the advice. And that's the way we need to be sometimes. Praise God. We don't, you know, it's like the, like the lady, she told, she told the Lord, she said, Lord, if that certain parking spot's open right there at the donut shop, then I know it's the will of God for me to get a donut. And don't you know it was open? 
It took her three trips around the block, but it was open, praise God. And as humorous as that might be, that's the way we do with God sometimes, praise God. And so, amen, when it comes to advice, when it comes to receiving advice from a friend, praise God, be very, very, very careful, and I think you already know the rules. Praise God. Will you stand with me? I'm going to talk to you about what happens to us when we die. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23 said, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord. Praise God. You may be seated. Now, human beings, we all are comprised of three things. We have a body, a soul, and a spirit. The body is our flesh. It's, it's the flesh. It's the thing you can pinch. It's blood. It's, it's bone. It's guts. It's kidneys. It's livers. That's all flesh. Everything that you can see, that is flesh. Praise God. And the body, amen, comes from dust and will return to dust. Uh, when my kids were young, we, they struggled with a thing called allergies. And uh, I don't know if you ever remember, but they used to take, we took them to an allergy, uh, an allergy place, and um, they put their arm out there, and they took these little needles, and they had everything from oils to dust to everything, and they would prick them just slightly, and then they would look at their response on their arm, of whether or not, you know, they were allergic to flowers or allergic to... And uh, one of the things that George was allergic to was dust. And he got very upset because he... And we got him calmed down. And finally, he said to us, he said, I'm allergic of dust and I'm made of dust. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. So the body comes from dust... Amen. And Ecclesiastes 3 and 20 says, And all go unto one place, all are of the dust, and all turn to the dust again. So you have the body, which is what this is. Praise God. It's, it's created in this life. It will go back to the dust from which it comes. And then you have what's called the spirit. The spirit is the life. It's the thing that brings life. Praise God. God breathed into Adam. The spirit could be like breath. He breathed into Adam, and the Bible said he actually became a living soul, but that spirit brought life for that soul to live in. Praise God, or that soul to be there. And so, amen. The spirit, amen, goes back to God. Ecclesiastes 12 and 7 says, Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. So when every one of us was born, God gave us a spirit. And then, of course, we've got a soul. And then, of course, I'm sorry, the body. And then, of course, there is the soul. The soul is where the character is. Have you ever noticed they've never done a brain transplant? Right? Am I wrong on that? No. Maybe they will, but the soul will go with it. I believe the soul is in the brain. The, brain. the soul is what we are, what we think, how we think, our logic, who we are. 
um, the way we think, what we are. That is the soul. That is the decision-making process. Our soul is in the brain. And uh, that is part of us. And so uh, we, we have a soul. There's a soul. And the soul is where the mind is. Amen. And the soul will last or spend eternity somewhere. In Luke chapter 16 and verse 19, Jesus tells us about a man by the name of Lazarus. Amen. Who uh, died. And the Bible said he went to heaven and the rich man went to hell. Praise God. So um, he did not say anything about this being a parable. He said nothing about it being a parable. Uh, generally, when he spoke of parables, he did not use precise names. And so this time he used precise names. He talked about a specific thing that happened in hell. And he talked about the rich man, how the rich man died, and he instantly found himself in hell. And how that uh, the uh, Lazarus uh, um, died, and he found himself in Abraham's bosom, which is... Uh, also known as a heaven or a place for Christ to come and die. And that's when the saints could go to heaven. But he did not go to hell. Praise God. And so we learn in this that when somebody dies, they either go to heaven or they go to hell instantly. Praise God. And there's some things about it. And that is, amen, he cried. Amen. This rich man in hell, he cried for Father Abraham. He cried for him for mercy, mercy upon me. So there must be the torment in hell and there must be the feelings in hell. And he asked Father Abraham, he said, Abraham, now this, he's talking about Abraham. You got to remember, Abraham came after Moses. He's, and, and, uh, he's talking to, uh, to Abraham. And so he's in Abraham's bosom. And so he says, no, I'm sorry, Abraham came before Moses. And so um, he's talking to Abraham, but he's talking about Moses. And so he says to Abraham, he said, have mercy on me. Praise God. Let me make sure I got this right. I wasn't planning on getting into this, but I'm in it right now. Uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Um, and then, just give me one second here. Moses, Moses led the children of Israel over Egypt. Yeah, Moses was after Abraham. And so he's talking, to, he's talking about Abraham's bosom, and he's talking about Moses and the prophets. So it lines up right. And so he says to, uh, he's talking to, he says, in Abraham's bosom, he said, take a finger and water and just touch the tip of my tongue and, and to cool it off. So there, there's a tremendous misery there. When somebody obviously goes to hell. In verse 25, Abraham said, and this is the amazing thing that catches me. And that is, he says to him, remember. Remember. You know, I believe that people in hell will constantly have a pure memory. They will remember the preacher that preached to them. They will remember, praise God. They will remember not going to an altar and getting saved. They will have nothing to do more than to sit around and to just remember and remember. I remember. 
he said he 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 said unto him because I personally believe that our brain is like a recorder it records even though we are not able to find it on the shelf in our brain certain things it's there and I believe praise God that our memory if a person who's lost and goes to hell will const- will constantly have the memory of I sh- you know what they could have done and I don't want to condemn those that are in hell, but I want to warn us, amen, that we don't want to go there. Praise God. We do not want to go to hell. Praise God. But obviously, according to this, when one died, he went directly to hell. When one died, he went directly to heaven. And this is further proof that this is not a parable because when he asked Abraham... He said to Abraham, he said, praise God, he said, I've got five brothers still on earth. Can you send somebody back there from this place and warn them? And it just blows my mind when he says unto them, they have Moses and the prophets. So he was talking about a particular time period. It was not a parable. Praise God. He said, they have Moses and the prophets, and it isn't going to do them any good. He knew that it would not do them any good. Praise God. And so, amen, we know that according to this, that when a person dies, they'll either go to heaven or hell directly. Praise God. Now, I want to talk to us about loved ones that are in heaven. We've got loved ones that are in heaven people that we love, and I'm looking at some of you, and I'm thinking about some of your family members that I've knew, some of the people that used to come to this church, and now has gone on to be with the Lord, praise God, our, our, our uncles, our aunts, our mothers, our fathers, our brothers, our sisters, or whatever, praise God, that have gone on to be with the Lord, praise, and, 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 and we know they are with God, amen, there's two things I want to bring by you. First of all, they're in a better place. We say that, but do we really believe that? They are in a better place. There is no more suffering. There is no more. You know, God, you know, I was thinking today or yesterday, God doesn't go against our will, right? Never has. And have you ever noticed that nobody that ever went to heaven wanted to come back here? Do you think if one of them said, God, it's my will to go back on earth. He just said, go ahead and go. But I'm, I'm telling you, of all the people that ever went to heaven, none of them's wanted to come back here. What's that tell you? Praise God. They're in heaven. And I'm glad for them. As much as I miss them and I hate them being gone, praise the Lord. I am so glad for them that they're not suffering anymore. Second of all, praise God. We cannot be there, amen, but someday I am going to be with them. Do you realize that a hundred years from now, every one of us is going to be in heaven? We're not going to have to worry about COVID. We're not going to have to worry about hurting body parts. We're not going to have to worry about suffering, pain. We're not going to have to worry about loss. We're all going to be in heaven. Praise God. Amen. 
You've got someone you love in heaven? Well, then you better live a good life so you can go there too. Think about that. Is there anything that you're doing that's going to cause you to miss heaven? Praise God. You want to be with him? Praise God. But you, you got praise, you know, to live for the Lord. David said, amen, in 2 Samuel 12 and 23, David, because David had had Uriah killed and he committed adultery with Bathsheba, he said in 2 Timothy, Samuel, uh, God took his son, took Bathsheba's child, and he would not allow him to live because he told David, he said, because of your sin, you know, you're going to, you know, you're going to lose your child. David fasted and David prayed. He's, and, you know, it just amazes me, praise God, how David continues to say, amen, you know, God is gracious, God is forgiving, God is loving. Uh, you know, maybe God will just, and he was fasting and praying because he's like, maybe God will change his mind and maybe God will just, and then when the baby died, David got up and he took his sackcloth off and he, his sadness off and he said, I'm not mourning anymore. It's done. And they looked at David and they said, how can you only mourn when the child is still alive and now it's dead? This is what David said. Praise God. He said, can I bring him back? I can't. We can't bring the loved ones back. We can't bring the loved ones back. Praise God. I, I saw a comic strip of a husband and wife up there. And he's looking at his wife and he said to her, he said, you know what? If you wouldn't have been so cholesterol-free, sugar-free, and this free, and that free, and made me take care of my body so much, I could have been up here 20 years earlier. But, praise the Lord. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm, I want to go to heaven, but I'm not ready to go until I'm got ready to go. Until my time to go. I'm going to enjoy as much down here, because I'm going to have eternity up there. But the thing of it is, David said, hey, man, he said, I cannot bring him back. But I can live the kind of life to where I will see him again. If anything ought to make you want to live for the Lord, that ought to make you want to live for God. To walk through those privileges. I love God with all my heart. But I'm going to be so excited to see my dad when I get to heaven. Praise God. And I'm going to get to heaven because of my love for God. But I'm going to see my dad. So when we die and we go to heaven, praise the Lord, we will be instantly in heaven. Amen. And we will get to see the people that we love. But we have to live the kind of life that will cause us to want to live there. I'll tell you a really cute little joke, and then we'll go into the last. This man, he was a miser. He just, he kept his gold, he kept his gold, he kept his gold, and he told his family, he's like, I'm taking it with me when I go. And so they said, so he ordered them from his deathbed. He ordered them to take it all up in the attic, 
and to store it right above his bed because he was taking it with him when he was going. And so when he had took his last breath and he deceased, they looked at one another and they ran upstairs in the attic and they looked and guess what? The gold was there. And they looked at each other and said, I didn't think he was headed up that way anyways, praise God. Let's all stand. Praise God. I want to talk to you for the last, last little bit here. How can I know God's will? Praise the Lord. I got some really good stuff in this one. How can I know God's will? This just blew my mind when the Lord gave this to me last night. How can I know God's will? Praise the Lord. Amen. You see, being in the will of God is very vital to a Christian. Do you believe that tonight? Praise God. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. The will of God. First of all, the events of what is happening in our life does not indicate whether we are in the will of God or not. Pastoring this church, if we hit some hard times and attendance was low and the finances was low and uh, would not mean that it's the will of God for me to leave. But on the other hand, if we had a great big revival, built a brand new church, and everything was going great, that's not the will of God. That does not mean it's the will of God for me to stay. The will of God is not determined by outward circumstances. If you wonder about that, you need to really look into the life of Job. Job's comforters got into a lot of trouble because they thought that his will was due to the circumstances. Job, you had to do something wrong. Job, you had, to, you had to be sinning for God to do this. They thought that circumstances around, you cannot determine the will of God. There's sometimes that people will go into a situation, and if it's not working good, they're like, this ain't the will of God, and they go somewhere else. They're looking for an easy place to have success or to have things go right. Praise the Lord. That's not the will of God. We're going to talk about how to find the will of God. Praise God. But you see, the will of God is not something that's hard to find. God wants us to understand his will. In Ephesians 5 and 17, he says, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understand what the, what the will of God is. So God wants us to know his will. It's not like... God's hiding it, and he's saying, you better look under the bush, or you better look on, you know, he's, he's wanting us to know the will of God. Paul prayed that the saints in Colossia would know the will of God. In 1 Corinthians, or 1 Colossians 1 and 9, he says, for this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you might walk worthily of the Lord until all pleasing. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And so in this Paul is saying, hey man, I'm praying that you find the will of God. Now, the will of God is broken up into two different 
things or two different categories for, for the best word. Amen. It, the will of God is divided up into two different categories. The first category is the general will of God. There is a general will of God for you. The general will of God is the will of God for everything. Let me ask you something. Is, the, is it the will of God that you tell the truth? Is it the will of God that you be honest? Is it the will of God that you be holy? Is it the will of God that you do what you need to do for your brothers and your sisters? Is it the will of God that you go to church? Is it the will of God that you pray and give to God? Is it the will of God that you go the speed limit? Oh, praise God. Amen. And so there are some things in your life that is the will of God. It's just natural. You don't have to ask God. Praise God. It's the will of God that you go to work. It's the will of God you pay your bills. It's the will of God, praise God, that you provide for yourself the best you can. If you're hurt, that's a different situation, but you provide for yourself. It's the will of God that you give and you do your best to help others. Those are general wills of God. And, and, and that is just, you never have to worry about that. That's just the way it is. And so 90% of the stuff in life that you deal with is just naturally the will of God. But then there's the second category. And that is the personal will of God. The personal will of God has to do with you personally. Now, just because a certain personal will of God is for you personally does not mean it's for everybody else. There are personal wills of God that God talks to you about, things that God talks to you about, things that God will require of you not to do or to do. I had a a lady, twice since I've been here in East Liverpool, we had a lady that had come through, and I think another one was a man. And he asked me, he said, you're going door knocking on Saturday. And I'm like, no, I'm not going door knocking on Saturday. And he's like, what are you, a heathen? I was like, what are you talking about? You don't go door knocking on Saturday? No, I'm not going door knocking on Saturday. You've got to get out there and go door knocking. You need to be a Christian and on and on and on. He's not living for the Lord today. But obviously, God was talking to him about door knocking. That was his personal will. Sometimes God will give you a personal will that doesn't mean that will is for anyone, everyone else. Just because God's talking to you about that certain thing, he may not be talking to everybody else about it. Praise God. But there are personal wills. Here's the, here's the kicker. And this blew my mind when the Lord showed this to me. If you are not following God with the general will, he is not going to talk to you about the personal will. If you don't follow the general will all the time, praise God, he is not going to talk to you about a personal will. You will not know personal wills if you do not obey the general wills. Praise God. You have to follow the general rules. Praise God. For God to talk to you about the personal will. 
What are some of the general wills? First Thessalonians 5 and 16 says, Be joyful always. 17. Pray continually. 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will, or this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let's look at that. Be joyful always. Are you always joyful or are you complaining? You want to know the will of the Lord? You got to be in the will of the Lord. If you want God to talk to you personally, you got to have him be able to talk to you and live in a general way. Praise God. Are you pray continually to know the voice of God? You got to pray continually. Does that mean pray all the time and shut everybody out? No. That means a consistent prayer, having prayer. A little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here, a little bit there. Talking to God all the time. Giving thanks in all circumstances. That is how you do your general will. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 3 said, It is God's will that you should be sanctified. That you should live a holy life. If you want a personal will, you got to live the general will. That you should avoid sexual immorality. That each should learn to control his own body and the way. And it goes on and on. I'm going to run out of time. Romans 8 and 28. Let's jump there. says, And we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God and, and them who are called according to his purpose. And so all things work to the good. we got to understand that. David understood, praise God, about a will. David, I love David. He just... He, he just had a relationship with God. David knew a good way to know the will of God. In Psalms 37 and 23, he says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his ways. If you read verse 1, it says, Don't let the successful person who is crooked affect you. If you want to know the will of the Lord, don't. I don't know what it's got to do, but I know it's got to do with it somehow. He says, you know, I don't know how my car works, but I know it works. Don't let the successful person who is crooked affect you. Praise God. You know how people can be crooked and you think, how can they get away with that? Well, you're shutting the will of God off in your life. Don't allow that to happen. Number three, trust in the Lord and do good. If you want to be able to hear from the voice of God and the will of God, trust in the Lord and do good. Delight thyself in the Lord. Praise God. Was you excited when it was time to come to church? Or did you say, oh, I got to be in church tonight. It's church night. That's not delighting yourselves in the Lord. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Cease from anger and do rest. Now, if you want these later, I can send them to you. But there are four ways. If you're looking for the will of God, there are four ways. First of all, does it make common sense? God is a God of common sense. Praise the Lord. Number two, does it make spiritual sense? God doesn't do anything different other than his word. He's not going to ask me to go out and start an atheist church. Okay? Number three, does it make circumstantial sense? And when I mean circumstantial sense, I mean, does it make sense? For instance... At my age, at 62, God's not going to call me to a youth ministry. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's, you know, and he's not going to call me to start another church. And my wife will scream up, amen, right now. Number four, 
does it make biblical sense? You know, when you're wondering about the word of the Lord or wondering about the will of God in your life, praise God. Uh, you know, and you're praying about it, you gotta, and, and you're seeking for some advice, try not to go to somebody that will give you what you want to hear or easy advice. Someone that just will say, yeah, that's, that looks good to me. Jump off the cliff. Praise God. You don't want to go to somebody like that. You don't want, praise God, to go to somebody that has not made good choices. If they haven't made good choices in their lives, how do you think they're going to make good choices in yours? And number three, understand that sometimes we can be standing so close to what we want or what we're, what we're, the situation we're in, we cannot really see cloud clearly. And it's always best to get somebody outside of our situation to say, help me see this a little clearer. I'll call different people of the church and I'll say, was that message Sunday night understandable? Because in my head it's understandable. But that doesn't mean it's understandable to you. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? I'll ask my wife, was that clear? Was that understandable? Because it made a lot of sense in this head. I wasn't sure. By the time I got it to you, it made a lot of sense. And so there are times in your life when you're so close to it in your head. You know, I'll write something, and to me, I think it says that. And when I read it, I think it says that. And when I read it, I think it says that. I'll put it away for a day and go back and read it then, and I'll think, man, what? That thing don't even make sense. You understand what I'm saying? And so when you're trying to find the will of the Lord, and we're going to close here. When you try to find the will of God, praise the Lord, there's times whenever it may look good to you, but it's because you're in a fog. You really can't see everything. You have to have people in your life you trust. People, There's people in my life, when they go to tell me something, I will listen and I'll say, oh, I didn't see that. I didn't know that. That's, that's good. Thank you for that. Praise God. And that will help you find the will of God. And my greatest, I think my greatest saying in this is, if you want to know the will of God, don't have a will. Just let it be his will. Whatever your will is, God. Praise God. You don't have to struggle through my will. It's all stand. Praise God. Are you all enjoying these lessons? Yes. Amen. Good. Praise God. I do enjoy putting them together, but I want to tell you something. That general will and that personal will, that really blew my mind when the Lord showed me that. I'm like, God, that's great. I like that. I have to be doing all the things that I know to do right and do them for God to be able to help me with my personal will because God is not going to tell me to do the right things if I'm not already doing the right things in the area that I need to be doing them in. Lord, I love you, God, and I praise you for this evening. I thank you for your Bible study. Lord, help us. It's going to help us to live better. And God, I'm asking you, Lord, let us depart from this place, but not from your presence. And God, bless us, dear God, and be with us. And God, we're going to give you all the praise, glory, and honor. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Can everyone say amen?